Want a job where you can use your talents, make a difference, and have the freedom of remote work? Then meet Belay. Belay has contractor opportunities for proven professionals, providing administrative support and social media strategy to fast-paced organizations throughout the United States, all from your home. To learn more, just visit belaysolutions.com slash jobs to apply. That's B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash jobs. Hello? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play it. What's that? Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Get out there, play hard, enjoy those games. What a beautiful day, college football fans. I'm old man Troy, joined by the marvelous youngster, Kevin Cunningham, a.k.a. Kid Cunny on Twitter. It's almost here, youngster. Almost here for the Big Ten. Then I'll start watching college football. Haven't watched any yet. Glanced at TVs, you know, remote controlled through a little bit, but I've not sat down and watched a game. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the Big Ten. And today, top four. Yes. Uh, Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, we did the bottom three of the Big Ten West. Um, And then last week, we had uh, Troy was across the country. And so he was doing things. I was doing things. And so just scheduling-wise, it didn't mesh up to do a bunch of shows. Uh, but this week we're doubling down to get back on track. So, yeah, uh, today we're hitting the top four of the Big Ten West, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, Illinois. Spend, you know, roughly 15 minutes on each, and that'll be that. So try call to keep it, these Call it a day. To, yeah, try to keep these shows to an hour slash, like, at the end of the day, I, I know you can skip around realistically. It's a podcast. You can skip around to your team, whatever team you want to hear more about. Um, but to go on for 30 minutes about Iowa football, that's great if you're a Hawkeye fan. But for literally everyone else, no one wants to hear 30 minutes about Iowa football. So yeah, we learned our lesson. No, we learned our <laughs> lesson when we did our first one that took almost three hours, and we did it all in one sitting. And we yeah, just saw the numbers a, on it. it. It was a that was not good. I'll, I'll put it this way: it was a good show. I mean, you oh, yeah. had a blast. But as far as the ratings go and the number of listens, no. Who wants to listen to a three-hour podcast? Not many right. people. No. Not many people. And now, of course, we've got our great sponsor, Inner Peak Coffee, who they they actually sponsor our virtual studio line. So thank you to Inner Peak Coffee. And the owner of Inner Peak Coffee, a big Badger fan, youngster. He'll probably be in for this show. But let's let's get right to it. Let's get to it. Yes. Um, so starting with Illinois, Illinois was fourth in the Big Ten a year ago. Um, now, Illinois, for the first time in five years, they made their first bowl game. They finished six and seven overall. So they got to six wins. They got to 500. <laughs> they got to a bowl game, which, again, for some teams, that's laughable for six and six to be good enough for a bowl. We've talked about that in the past. Not going to go over it this show. Um, but for Illinois, again, it's the first time in five years they've been able to do it. This was last year was kind of a stepping stone finally 
for Lovey Smith. And so it's, you know, it's, it's notable in that regard that, hey, look, the program actually took a step forward. Um, you know, they had some close losses. They had some close wins. They had a big win against Wisconsin. Um, they went to Michigan State. I think they were down like 25 points in that game, and they won. They came back and won that. Um, so they showed that they're competent. Um, they showed that they could win four games in the Big Ten. And you lose five, but at least you're winning four games against Big Ten opponents, and you're Illinois. Um, you're not smashing up on a bunch of bottom feeders. So that, that, was, that was a positive from a year ago. Um, just some notes, as I do this time of year. Going well, before, you get, before yeah. you get into the notes, yeah. I do want to say that Lovey saved his job. We talked about that. If we didn't see progression, right. he probably would have been gone. And yeah. like you said, I am one of those guys, Kevin, where I look at a 6-6 six and six team and go, why in the world are you getting a bowl game? Why? But for Illinois, that was like going to the Rose Bowl because they have right. not been in the postseason for, you said, five years. And when I look at it, Kevin, if Lovey did take that step and that program took that step, to get where, where you're going to be forced constantly, you have to win the games you're supposed to win. That means the teams that are worse than you in your division. Unfortunately, here's what I'm seeing in the Big Ten, there's not a lot of supposed-to-win games in the Big Ten anymore. I mean, you got Rutgers. you got maybe even, Maryland you can throw in there. Yeah. But. Even we talk about the powerhouse of the East Division and all the powers they have, but, like, the West, if P.J. Fleck has Minnesota going at a solid rate, they're going to be good. And then Iowa and Wisconsin are always at least good. That's three teams right there where it's like you have to get over the hump as a program to step into that, hey, we belong with Wisconsin, we belong with Iowa, and if Minnesota is truly here to stay, then we belong with Minnesota too. Um, so there are teams that, you know, are just on a different playing field as far as consistency. Um, a Northwestern, I mean, some years you can throw them in there. <laughs> Last year was not one of them. But so, you know, it's, they're in the quote-unquote weaker division of the two in the Big Ten, but it's still not, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. Um, so, anyway, unless you got more, Troy, I can. I'll start rattling off some some facts. Okay. Go ahead. I'll interrupt like I always do. Sounds good. Um, so Brandon Peters returns as the quarterback. He was a Michigan transfer, and then he stepped in um, a year ago, and he did well uh, for Illinois. Uh, again, they won six games. They won four Big Ten games. They did okay. Um, so that was a bright spot, and he returns, and he's the first starting quarterback at Illinois to return since 2016, So, which was, I mean, you're talking four seasons, five seasons ago. Um, so that's, that's nice to have <laughs> your starting quarterback back at Illinois. It, it seems like it's been a revolving door. It seems like they've almost been Cleveland Brown-esque in terms of their quarterback. It's like, Oh, who's the quarterback this year? Oh, they got a four-star quarterback recruit, four-star quarterback transfer. I remember that was a thing a few years ago. And it's like, okay, he's here, and then uh, where'd, he, where'd he go? Like, what did he do? What happened? Like, he's just gone. Uh, okay, we've got this quarterback. Oh, okay, he's, he's gone now, too. Like, it, there was just never continuity. So with Brandon, Brandon Peters returning, I want to say, um, that's, you know, that helps. So that's a good thing. Um, Mike Epstein, the running back, I – he was supposed to be the guy the last three years 
for Illinois to lead the backfield. And when he's healthy going into a season, which is always, he starts off doing really well. And it's like, damn, this is a nice running back you got there. And then three years in a row, he's had season-ending injuries. So he returns now. Um, he's supposed to be healthy. He's supposed to be the guy. But, <laughs> again, can he stay healthy? So that's, you know, that's the bill for him is just staying healthy. If he can, then he will be productive. And Brandon Peters returns, so you can't necessarily probably stack eight in the box to stop Epstein. So it's a nice little balance that Illinois should have going on. The offensive line returns four guys. Josh Imatorbebe is their top wide receiver. He returns. He's good. Um, He could be an NFL guy. Um, So they've got someone on the outside to throw to. Outside of him, it looks bleak in terms of returnees, just based on what I have read, what I have heard. Um, Also, do not take what I am spewing at you now as absolute 100% facts in terms of exact numbers, because come tomorrow, come two hours ago, and it just hasn't, you know, become news, someone could opt out for COVID. Someone could opt out for the draft. Someone could go into the transfer portal. So I just, you know, if you want to spew hate at me for saying the offensive line returns four starters and then game one, Illinois has three of their offensive line return its starters, and you're like, uh, okay, you're an idiot. Well, no. (laughs) So I just want to make that, you know, especially during this offseason, I never really talk about this any other year, um, but especially with this offseason and COVID and guys going out, guys coming in, guys opting out, and then eventually opting back in, like there's just a lot to get through. So my apologies if I am incorrect somewhere. But anyway, so the offense has some pieces, um, depth behind Imitar Bebe, probably not so much, but the offense should be okay um, in 2020. Defensively, they have some key returnees. I, I found this stat, Troy, this is pretty remarkable. Linebacker Jake Henson uh, for Illinois had seven forced fumbles a year ago. That led the entire country. So seven forced fumbles in, I guess, 13 total games. That's that's pretty good. Um, except Hansen actually missed four of those games. So, I mean, he played in nine. He had seven forced fumbles. <clears throat> that's, <laughs> that's almost every single game he played, he forced a fumble on average. So that's quite absurd. Uh, three from their secondary return. The defensive line in general has question marks um, because of guys, you know, leaving, graduating, and whatnot. Um, so the defense, uh, it should be an Illinois defense, I think. It, it's going to be up and down. It's going to be, oh, look, we play Wisconsin, we're going to give up 35 points. Oh, look, we play Rutgers, we'll give up 10. Um, you know, it, it'll be a middle-of-the-road whatever defense, in my opinion. Could they outperform that? Absolutely. Could they be atrocious? Sure. But that's just my take on that. Uh, Recruiting-wise, they were actually 88th in the country and 14th in the Big Ten, which there's 14 Big Ten teams, so that makes them the worst in terms of just recruiting stats and putting scores on guys and whatnot. doesn't mean the world, but at the end of the day, Ohio State is really, really good every single year for a reason. Part of it's coaching, but part of it because of the overall talent they have. Um, There are teams that can, you know, overcome that. Teams like Wisconsin consistently overcome that. But to finish last in the Big Ten in recruiting, not exactly ideal. Of course, guys can pop. You can turn two stars into top five draft picks. You know, that happens consistently. Um, But just something to note 
And then schedule-wise, I mean, I'll go through it here. My initial thought was maybe three and five. Um, not to say that Illinois is bad, but they start at Wisconsin week one. Um, so that's not fantastic. That, by the way, is a Friday game, which I didn't know was existing. I thought all games were starting on Saturday the 24th, but apparently Wisconsin is hosting Illinois on Friday the 23rd. So it's news to me. Um, but at Wisconsin, and then you get Purdue at home, you get Minnesota at home. So there's there's some toughies in there for sure. One and Rutgers, two. At, yeah, at Rutgers, at Nebraska the next two weeks. Um, you probably hope to split that, obviously beat Rutgers, lose to Nebraska. Could you go 2-0? Oh, sure, but most likely probably 1-1 one one there. Um, and then you get Ohio State, Iowa the following two weeks, and then at Northwestern. So, again, it, that's that's not an easy schedule. Um, you get Ohio State. Yeah, it looks State like a 3-5 three and, three and five record. I would agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So, that's not, uh, not fantastic. But you get Rutgers on the other side, and you also get Ohio State. So, <laughs> you would assume a little split there, and then you have to play Iowa, you have to play Minnesota, you have to play Wisconsin. So, yeah, it's well, people are going to keep arguing, youngster, that the Big Ten West is a weak division. And I'll agree, but I'll also disagree. And I'll, I'll agree because you don't have the likes of Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. But you have solid football teams. Like in – so in the East, you have a Rutgers team over there. You have a Maryland team over there, right? Maryland, they have flashes. Rutgers, well, yeah, I don't think they should be in Big Ten football, but that's a different discussion, right? So you got her, really uh, Indiana teams. as well. I and mean, Indiana. Indiana. So you have those three teams, like we talk about Illinois beating the teams they should beat. So Illinois should beat those three teams. That would put them already then, what, fourth in that conference too, right? Right, right. You look at the East, or I mean the West. You got Wisconsin, always tough. Iowa, hey, they can be great some years, and then they can be average to above average. Minnesota, on an uptick. Nebraska, new coaching staff, supposedly on a new uptick. Purdue, always a hard out. That's not a give-me game right there. And you got Nebraska. That's not a give-me game. And now Illinois is becoming a team where it's not a give-me game. It may have been two years ago. Where's the gimme game in the Big Ten East? There's not. There is not one from top to bottom. There's not a gimme. Yeah. And you can argue in the East that Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana are almost gimme games. That's all I'm going to say. I understand that the East is stacked. But I think top to bottom, the West, you look at all of those teams, and again, I, I right. didn't even throw Northwestern in there. That's not a gimme game either. Right. I don't know. People can disagree with me on that just because the West doesn't have the dominant top ten teams. But from top to bottom, it's more competitive than the East Division in my mind. That's all I got. They, yeah, I, I completely agree. The East is more top-heavy. The West has more depth. And honestly, from the West, you almost always get a top 10, definitely a top 15 team in there somehow, whether it's Northwestern having a fantastic year or your classic, you know, Wisconsin team, or once every three years, Iowa puts together a really good team, three, four years. 
Um, so there, there's always one really good team, maybe not necessarily top three national title contending team, but a really good one um, that beats just about everyone else outside of, you know, a really good Oklahoma, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, you know. But there's only a handful of those. Outside of that, you hope to be Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the goal. That's the goal to get to before you start, you know, this Clemson breakthrough of, oh, my God, where did Clemson come from? Like, you have to consistently be a top 25 team first. You don't just magically become, you know, top two in the country every year. So the goal is to get to top 25, top 20, top 15 consistently, kind of like Iowa and Wisconsin. And then eventually you hope to have a breakthrough. Um, but, yeah, so I, in short, I agree with you 100% there. Um, All right, yeah, next team. Illinois. Yeah, moving on to Iowa. Um, so Iowa finished third in the Big Ten West last year. They were 6-3 and three in the Big Ten. They won 10 games. They were 10-3 and three overall, um, which, again, they, they tend to do that once every three years or so. Um, but again, you, you lost three games in the Big Ten, so it wasn't some fantastic breakthrough. Twelve and one, we're going to the Rose Bowl type season. It wasn't one of those. Um, but it was a good year. Um, the offense a year ago, it was realistically, if you look at stats and rankings uh, from across the country, it was kind of below average across the board, um, which is surprising considering the guys they had uh, with Nate Stanley as their quarterback for seems like three, four years in a row, um, you know, you assume the offense would have done better. It's a college offense that averaged 25 points a game. And in college, if you're a good offense, you're scoring 30-plus a game. That's just the way it is in college. NFL is different. College is, you know, another beast. Um, so Nate Stanley's gone. That's a question mark. Spencer Petras steps in as a quarterback. Some people had him as a four-star, some as a three-star. Regardless, he's been in the program a little bit. Um, so he's presumed to be the starter stepping in. It's not set in stone as far as I could find um, yet. But I, that being said, I mean, we are doing this show on October 15th. So we're eight days away from Big Ten football. Um, but When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Why would you name – I mean, here's the thing, Kevin. If I was in that situation where I had a quarterback battle going on and I was a yeah. coach, I wouldn't name my starter until the absolute last minute. Right. That way my first opponent has no idea who to prepare for. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I would agree 100%. Um, so 
that's supposedly the starting quarterback. Um, Tyler Goodson was a breakthrough freshman running back a year ago who Iowa didn't utilize until the last, like, three or four games of the season. Um, So now he's a sophomore. He's supposed to be the guy. Um, That should be a good building block for your team to have offensively. It should be run first. Um, And Petras can, you know, go off of that. Um, As far as the tight ends, both other top tight ends return, wide receiving-wise, I mean, you can make the argument that Amir Smith-Marset is the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. You could make that argument. So having him back is massive. He's definitely an NFL caliber receiver. Um, And they've got guys behind him as well that have been in the program for a number of years who are talented. So they've got guys on the outside for Petras to throw to as well that he can lean on. So it's it's a nice year to step in. Um, to have an emerging running back and to have an NFL receiver to throw to and to have both your tight ends back. And, you know, so that's that's what Io has going for it offensively. That's what Petras has going for him offensively if he does become the guy, whoever becomes the guy. He should have guys around him to help take the load off of him. Offensive line-wise, you lose Tristan Wirfs, which sucks um, because that's, you know, that's <laughs> a first-round NFL tackle. Um, but the offensive line still it, it returns a good amount of guys. It should be a good group. It's not going to be you know the country's best offensive Iowa line. Iowa always it, has good linemen. Exactly. So that you know, yeah, you lose an NFL tackle, but you probably have one on your depth chart somewhere. Ferentz <laughs> got on his tractor and rode around some cornfields and got another big offensive lineman right there in <laughs> Iowa. I mean, and, and I. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, people might say, oh, what are you doing, rubbing it? No, I mean, it's same with Wisconsin. You know, right. Paul Chris can get on his four-wheeler and drive down the road and, and grab a big boy from Wisconsin and put him on the line. That's what Ferentz yeah. and Chris do. They build their programs from the offensive line. That's what they do. That's what they have always done. And the thing is, in Wisconsin and Iowa, you have very good offensive linemen and they do a good job recruiting linemen outside of their own state. But literally, if you are a high school lineman, Kevin, in Iowa or Wisconsin, and you're yeah. one of the best, and you really want to play for your hometown state, you're going to. Because yeah. they will attack the best ones, and unless you're dead set on going to another Power 5 school, right. why wouldn't you go to your – to Iowa or Wisconsin, where yeah. that you know that both of those programs groom linemen to go to the NFL. That's the way it is. Yep. And so, yeah, you might think I'm, you know, oh, you're ripping on Iowa. No, I'm not ripping on Iowa. That's the truth. Ferentz can literally walk down the road and grab another really good offensive lineman in Iowa. They do it all the time. So does Paul Chris. That was actually a compliment when I said he got on his tractor and went down the road and in the cornfield. Yeah. Because they do both programs do a really good job of, of developing linemen. And if I was a kid in high school and had aspirations of going to the NFL and I was a good lineman, I, I would I would be praying to God if I lived in Iowa or Wisconsin that I could play in my home state and get groomed yep. by those programs. That's all I got. Yep. Completely agree at 100%. Defensively, 
uh, from a year ago. They were top 20 in just about everything. Uh, they had a they had a good defense, and AJ Epineza, AJ Epineza was a fantastic uh, five star talent coming out of high school, went through Iowa, and now he's in the NFL. Um, so, you know, you're losing a talented guy there uh, for sure. Um, you know, they've got other guys returning and whatnot. It'll it'll be an Iowa defensive line that's good. Uh, you know, it's not as reputable as their offensive line, I suppose, but their defensive line will be good. It, it's not going to be this gaping hole. Linebacking core, uh, plenty of those guys return. The secondary loses a couple pieces, but they should be fine just based on depth and guys they have coming in. It, so this defense, I mean, maybe it takes a little step back. Maybe it's not dominating, um, but it's still going to be a good classic Iowa defense. Uh, you know, there will be games where it's like, you just can't move the football, and you score seven points, and it is what it is. Um, so that is that. Um, so it, this team, I mean, realistically, if Petras can come in and do what Stanley did um, immediately, that's fantastic. Uh, they should have a good team in general. Again, they won ten games a year ago. They don't have that ten means, games to win. This year, but, no, so I was going to say that means they're going to win seven or eight on a normal year just because that's what happens with Kirk Ferentz. And that's where my beef is. That's why I always get worked up when we talk about Ferentz, because he needs to start getting consistent. 10, 11, 12, right. 10, 11, 12, 10, 11, 12. Kind of where Paul Christ is right now. And that's been my beef with Ferentz and to every Iowa fan listening in. And you may dislike me for it, but you're okay. You're happy with Ferentz. And so my response to you is you're happy with being mediocre. And then every couple of years, having a double-digit good team. This is, the, right. this is how he can shut me up, Kevin. He can shut me up this year, eight-game season if he goes six and two. At least shut me up for a couple months. Because that would then be on pace to have won another ten games. But that's my beef right. with Iowa football. Yeah. And I, I, can't, I don't understand Iowa fans. Why can't you be on the same playing field as Wisconsin year in and year out? Same type record, be at the top of the Big Ten West, you should be. And you're sitting there riding the coattails of Ferentz because, oh, last year he won 10. Okay, let's give him, you know, a lifetime extension. And then, you know, we'll win eight, we'll win seven, we'll win 10 again. Woo, way to go, Kirk. Then we'll win seven, then we'll win eight, then we'll win 12. Woo, look at Kirk, to the Rose Bowl. Woo, then seven, then eight. Right. I just, if I'm a fan, I'd be like, I don't want an every other or every third or fourth year of, of winning and going to a great bowl game. I want it every year. And you're yeah. playing the Big Ten West where I just talked about it, where there is, you know, you don't have those top five dominating schools. You could build your program to be a top one or two team in the Big Ten West. And I just, Ferris hasn't done it. I'm done. You can go to the schedule. See if they can go six and two. So, game one, I, and I completely agree with you 100%. I, that's probably the fourth time I've said that today already. But it is. I was scheduled starting. I'm going to start charging you for that. There we go. I, I don't even have to speak. Uh, Iowa at Purdue week one, that's on a Saturday. So, that's, that's that, October 24th. That's when the bulk of games happen uh, for the Big Ten to start. So Iowa at Purdue, that's that's an interesting one. Week two, you get Northwestern at home. Week three, Michigan State at home. Michigan State's 
definitely on a downward spiral these last couple of years. Um, game four, week four at Minnesota, that'll be a really nice that'll one. Be a good week one. five, the week right after that um, at Penn State. If there's a year to play at Penn State, this is exactly the year you want to play oh, yeah. at Penn State. <laughs> Thanks to COVID, um, you know, not having 120,000 fans decked out in all white, that's, you know, instead you have zero or 10,000. It's a lot, uh, a lot more calm. So that's, you know, that's a quote unquote positive, I suppose. Then you get Nebraska at home at Illinois, and then you finish <clears throat> with Wisconsin at home. Um, so again, I mean, at Minnesota, at Penn State, you travel to play Illinois, you have to play Nebraska, you have to play Michigan State, you travel to play Purdue, you still play Wisconsin. This is a hard schedule. <clears throat> what did I write? Oh, I said schedule is not easy. Four and four. Because, I mean, if they lose to Wisconsin, if they lose at Penn State, lose at Minnesota, that's three games right there that I would almost well, expect Kevin, them to if lose. they do what I said, they will. They will it's kind of like what I said with Illinois. They're going to be a middle-of-the-pack team. They've got to beat the teams they're supposed to beat, the gimme teams, but the teams that they're better than. So if Iowa wants to be a top one or two team in this conference, they should beat Nebraska, they should beat Illinois, they should beat Northwestern, yeah. they should beat Purdue. Okay, and then you play Penn State. That's probably a loss. Maybe you lose at Wisconsin. Okay. Do you want to get over the hump and jump over and let Minnesota be better than you in the Big Ten West? That will be Honestly, a good game. That's that's the thing. Like Iowa plays at Minnesota. Okay, are you better than Minnesota or not? We'll find out. If you're not, then I would expect you to lose at home to Wisconsin as well. Like that's what will realistically end up happening. They'll probably end up splitting those two. But at Penn State, I just expect them to lose. Um, but you get Wisconsin at home, so that's helpful for you. I, but I know, like you, you know, said, no, Kevin, it's a, for Wisconsin on the road to play these teams. You you can almost I know you got to travel and it, all the you get out of your routine, but this is the year where I think the more talented teams are just going to win. Where yeah. usually I will give the home crowd more points than a Vegas line in college football. These yeah. stadiums are nuts when they're fully packed. You mentioned yep. it, Penn State fully packed, over a hundred thousand. You know, you go in there with a new quarterback not playing in that situation. You know, he was on the right. sidelines to watch, maybe. I don't remember last time they visited. He may not have been on the roster last time they played him there. But that that's intimidating. Now, yeah. even if they let 20% of the fans in, that's, some of these kids that play in high schools, big ones, that's a Friday night high school football game for them. So I, I look at it and I, I just, again, I'm kind of putting out, uh, I don't know what you call it, almost like a show me. Show me, Kirk Ferentz. Show me, Iowa. Are you yeah. going to put your foot down and put your clamps on the Big Ten West and be a top one, two, or three team every year? And to do that, the game that I'm looking at on this schedule is Minnesota. You should beat right. every other one of those teams if you're going to be a top team in the Big Ten West. And if we're having a conversation at the end of this season, Kevin, where Iowa is not two or three, I am going to get on my, it is time for Kirk Ferentz to leave. I did it last year, and, I, and I'm not going to back down from it. And it's not because he's a bad coach. 
It's just right. that I think they're wasting opportunity. They're wasting an opportunity to be a very good program in the Big Ten West and in the Big yeah. Ten overall. So that's yeah. all I got. Yeah, he's done a good job, and that's it. Is, is that good enough, or do you want great? Do you want Wisconsin? Do you want top ten? Do you want going to the Big Ten championship two out of every three years? Like, is that what you want, or do you want, like Troy said, win seven, win eight, win ten, win seven, win eight, win 11, win seven, win eight, win ten? You know, what do you want? So, anyway. That's two of our teams. We've got two to go here with Minnesota and Wisconsin, and we're literally about 30 minutes or so into the show. So timing-wise, we are doing fantastic. Good job, <laughs> Anyway, moving on to Minnesota. Uh, last year, P.J. Fleck was able to break through um, and win 11 games. So 11-2 and two overall, 7-2 and two in the Big Ten. Um, so they didn't get over the hump, I guess, in that sense, but they definitely got over a hump for sure at Minnesota um, by winning 11 games. Um, the next step is, you know, overtaking Wisconsin and getting to the Big Ten title game and pressing the heck out of whoever gets there. Um, so that's, you know, that's the next hurdle. You know, will they do that this year? We'll see. Um, but they definitely took a step forward <clears throat> in 2019. Um, they started off 9-0. and They lost at Iowa, and then they lost to Wisconsin. Um, so that's, again, I mean, that, those are the other teams that are usually consistently among the top in the Big Ten West. That's, you know, that's who you have to beat um, to be at the top there. Uh, Tanner Morgan returns, the quarterback. That's a plus. Um, the negatives, uh, your top running back, I believe, I don't remember what it was. I, did, I think it was all-purpose yardage from – the running back position um, in Rodney Smith, he's gone. So that, you know, that obviously hurts. Uh, Tyler Johnson, who is an NFL receiver, he's gone. Um, as I mentioned, an NFL guy. So that's, you know, that hurts. Uh, those are two big guys that are, you know, that will hurt you. At the same time, Rashad Bateman was opting out of the season. Uh, number two, uh, some could argue number one receiver, um, from a year ago, both those guys, Bateman and Johnson, going to be in the NFL. It's just a matter of when for Bateman. But so he opted out, and then a month or so ago, he said, oh, okay, Big Ten's coming back. Well, I'm back in. <laughs> I'm coming back to play. So that helps. Um, you know, you, you still you – And I think that's NFL a good receiver. move for him, Kevin, because I think he is a heck of a receiver. And if he can yeah. go out and duplicate another year, he, he can move up in the draft. I mean, yeah. receivers in the NFL are premium right now. And so right. a lot of people say, well, he's, he's got to be careful and not to get hurt, blah, blah. You know what? For a guy like that, Kevin, though, the way that the NFL has changed the dimension and going to a pass-happy league, a guy like that to be able to go out and play in eight games, and well, it'll be nine games. When he's playing nine games, if he can go out and impress and be better than last year, he can move his draft stock up. And for a receiver – you want to be one of those, well, really, I guess now in college, you want to be a top 20 receiver because the top 20 receivers are going in round one, two, and three usually. I mean, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if there was 20 in three rounds this year, but I, I'm being there a little was, sarcastic there. That's, that's high, but last year I think set the record with like seven in the first round. It was something ridiculous like that. And I don't um, think it's going away. I, I really don't think you're going to see those numbers dwindle. A record last year, that's, I think, going to be the norm 
going forward right now, I mean, the NFL does change, but in, in the current state of the NFL, there is such yeah. a big premium on wide receiver. Teams want three really good receivers because a lot of times yeah. they're running three receiver set. And you always see a lot of injuries to receivers, Kevin. Hamstrings, hands, fingers, toes. Teams want to stockpile receivers. They do. That's almost it's almost unless you're the Green Bay Packers and you just pass on all these top talented receivers in the first round. I had to rant one time about it. So my point on this is though, I think for him coming back, Kevin, that was a great move on his part for his future. And it's great for great for Minnesota to have a a top notch playmaker on the outside. So that's all I got. Yeah, for sure. I, I, the only thing I was going to add was the NFL. I think that's almost like the base set now is having three receivers. You, you got one in the slot. You have one tight end. You have your running back. Man, that that's almost <laughs> for most teams. It, it almost seems like that's their base package <clears throat> that they build out of. Um, some teams do it differently, obviously. But anyway, so yes, wide receivers at a premium. It's it's huge for him and Minnesota that he's back. Um, and Mohamed Ibrahim is a quality running back who returns as well. So, yeah, you lose Rodney Smith, that sucks. Yeah, you lose Tyler Johnson, that sucks. That's just plain and simple, it sucks. But you have guys behind them slash Bateman is an equal, if not superior, um, to Johnson. So it, they've got guys um, coming back for sure. The offensive line, I believe the entire offensive line returns, if I read it correctly. Um, and then the t- this episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Top four tight ends return as well. So, I mean, it, this team loses a couple stars, but they should be just fine realistically um, this year, especially having your quarterback return. So that's that's huge. You lose Antoine Field, Antoine Field, Antoine Winfield at safety, probably your best, you know, defensive player. Um, so that sucks. But again, you have veterans as well, just stepping in, staying, returning. Um, so will their secondary be as good? Maybe not but it's still a veteran secondary. They should be fine. Um, the defensive line has one starter returning. That's, especially in the Big Ten, not ideal unless you're playing Purdue, which thanks to the Big Ten West, they do every year, so that's good. <laughs> um, but in general, um, you know, having one starting defensive lineman return, usually not ideal. Obviously, guys that come in, transfer portal, whatever, you know, can be better than those that left. I'm not saying that's impossible, but. No, Wisconsin defense proved that last year, and we're going to talk about Wisconsin in a little bit. If you remember last year, 
I had huge question marks on that Wisconsin defense from what right. they had two years ago. And I said, hey, I think they got, I think they got good backups. And holy cow, they, they came in, answered all my questions. I thought there was going to be gaping holes. But to your point, for Minnesota, that could happen with them. They can lose these guys on the defensive line, and the guys that were chomping at the bit, you know, practicing every day, hitting the starters, being on that second team, that third team, they're ready to play, and they might be better than the guys that they had there before or just as good. And that's what you're hoping when you build a quality program, that when you lose guys, you plug a guy in and you don't, you know, go down 25%. You may, maybe you go down 5% or 10% at the skill position, or sometimes you, you actually gain five or 10%. And so for minutes, there's questions. I mean, that's how I'd put it. There's questions there. And let's see if these guys that get their chance can prove it. And that actually segues me into what I'm going to say about Minnesota. And if the Gopher fans are listening in, they know a couple of years ago, I jinxed the heck out of them because I was on the bandwagon or I was being real positive and they would always do the opposite and lose when I said I was really high on them. I didn't talk much about Minnesota last year, Kevin. I'm going to say this, though. This is a challenge year for them. I'm going to challenge Minnesota. Yeah, you had a great year last year, and you know what, Gopher fans? Cheer, cheer, cheer. Your burgundy and gold, cheer as loud as you want. But now this is the year. Are you going to stay at the top the Big Ten West, or are you going to flutter down into Illinois, Nebraska land? That, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Recruiting-wise, 38th nationally, 9th in the Big Ten. Ninth in the Big Ten sounds bad. Again, 38th nationally. I mean, that's just – that's a normal Minnesota recruiting class, in my opinion. They had a couple four-stars in there, so nothing game-changing there um, in a good or bad way, in my opinion. Schedule-wise, um, <laughs> Big Ten schedule, it, it's hard to catch breaks, um, but this schedule is arguably as soft as they come. Um, so that's another positive Minnesota has going for it. You start with Michigan, um, so that's that's not a shot at Michigan, but you get Michigan at home, um, so that's a good thing. Uh, week two at Maryland, week three at Illinois, week four you get Iowa. Oh look, you get them at home, so that's <laughs> that's a good thing. Um, after that, you get Purdue at home. The biggie is week six at Wisconsin. That's that's the massive question mark for sure. The two weeks after that to close the season, Northwestern at home at Nebraska. Um, so, by the way, I, I forgot to mention that there will be a week nine for everybody. It's just we don't know who these teams are going to be playing. Um, but regardless, uh, Northwestern and, and Nebraska to close out the year. So, yeah, you play Michigan. Yeah, you play Iowa. But you get them both at home. That's a positive. And then, yeah, at Wisconsin. That's, you know, there's your measuring stick. So to me, just on paper, I put them at 7-1 because I would favor them at home against Michigan and Iowa, and I would favor, well, yes, I would favor Wisconsin to beat Minnesota. That, that would be the one game I think they absolutely should lose. But are well, there this, swing games this, in there? This is where the challenge comes out, Kevin. This is the, where the challenge comes out. Are you going to stay on the level of Michigan? Are you going to stay on the level of Iowa? And do you want to contend with Wisconsin? If yes, then you're going to win that Michigan game. You're going to win the Iowa game. And maybe you pull off an upset and beat Wisconsin and go 8-0. 
Because all the other games, if they lose any of those other games, that all of us, yeah, you, you know what, there are anomalies in a season. Wisconsin poo-poos the bed once in a while. Ohio State even poo-poos the bed, right? Yep. Every once yep. in a while. But those are established programs. And it's a kick in the you-know-whats to all the fans when it happens. You're an Ohio State fan. When they lose to, uh, let's say, a Michigan State, that's like a kick in the, in the kahunas to you, right? Yeah, and or you go like to Wisconsin. Purdue and blown out. Yeah, well, I forgot about that one. That 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 one right there. That's that's my point. You go to Purdue, yeah. you get blown out. You're an Ohio State fan. You just felt like you got kicked in the you know what. Yep. And that's like Illinois beating Wisconsin. It's like really, <laughs> how can you do that? So when you're established, that's how the fan base reacts. You had one good year, and it's a prove it year. It's a challenge. Can you go out and maintain that consistency? And we'll see. We'll see what Minnesota will do. If we're sitting here today assuming that they're going to carry the momentum and that consistency into this year, we could be totally wrong, Kevin. And that 7-1 and one record, that 6-2 and two record, all of a sudden we might be looking at it, looking at the matchups for week nine, and they're 2-6. and six. Then what do we say to him? Like, whoa, what happened? You know, I yeah. hope it's not that. But again, we're basing everything we talk about today on an assumption, on an assumption yeah. that they they took a leap and now they're ready to be a contender. But it's only been one year. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. All right, on to Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Yes, on Wisconsin. Um, so the Badgers a year Before ago. We get to Wisconsin. We should we should thank our virtual studio line sponsor, Interpeak Coffee, yeah. for sponsoring our show because they are in Wisconsin and we're on a podcast, so we can have a call to action. Unlike on the radio, make sure you check out their website, interpeakcoffee.com. Free shipping to your door. Go check it out. Yeah, number of things, not just coffee, but there's other stuff as well. So that's use the promo code sports. Is that still in effect, Troy? Do you know? Yes, it is. There you go. It use is the promo code sports for 10% of your entire offer off your entire offer. Anyway, moving to Wisconsin. Um, I know we'll get some lessons uh, for this portion of the show for sure. And so, yeah, uh, last year they went 10 and four overall. So again, last year, Minnesota won 11 and two. Um, last year, Wisconsin went 10 and four, but both teams finished seven and two in the big 10. And the difference was Wisconsin beat Minnesota. So that's why Wisconsin won the division. And one thing to note, um, earlier this month, Jack Cohn, senior returning starting quarterback, out indefinitely with a foot. It was a non-contact foot injury. And he had foot surgery. It was successful. Um, But he's out indefinitely. Um, So, I mean, you look at backup quarterbacks in Wisconsin, and you probably don't smile um, too often, but it's hard not to smile when you have the most heralded guy as the backup in program history (laughs) waiting to step in, in Graham Mertz. Um, So is this too early for him? Is he not ready? Is this going to, you know, diminish his confidence? Is this going to be a dumpster fire? It could be, or it could be, holy cow, look at this quarterback. Look at the arm he has. Why was he not starting over Cone? Uh, a year ago, was he just not ready? I don't know, but man, this is unbelievable. 
or it could be something. I'll answer your question, youngster. I'll jump in. Name all the quarterbacks after Russell Wilson at Wisconsin that were great. Yeah, I think we're done there. So, and well, to parlay that, I wanted you to name them, and then I wanted you to to list off Wisconsin's records since Russell Wilson left. Not many down years, couple, but consistently nine, ten, eleven wins, some twelve wins in there. This team, as long as they can have a healthy offensive line and a good running yeah. game, Graham Mertz yep. should be okay. I, I was not on Cohen's bandwagon. Not at all. Wisconsin doesn't win with great play from a quarterback. If they had great quarterback play, we might be talking about Wisconsin with the likes of an Ohio State and a Penn State. I really believe that. Because they got decent receivers. They got great running backs. They got a great offensive line. They got a really good defense that always they always seem to plug players in. Yeah. My only thing as a Badger fan is we need to have, and I'll air quote, like in the NFL, you need to have a franchise guy. I'm not saying you got to have a five-star number one recruit, but you got to have a guy that can put the ball down the field and can make the big play on third and seven. Be an NFL caliber guy. You don't have to be a franchise first-round pick guy, but be NFL caliber. Like Trace McSorley at Penn State, he's not going to be a starter in the NFL. It's almost, you know. And the Badgers have had some of those, Kevin. They've had some of those. But even when they're in college, I think a lot of their resume is based off their record. Like, Cohen, if he would have played this year and led the Badgers to, let's say, you know, seven and two, he may have gotten a look in the NFL. And, you know, maybe then he can go and do things. My thing is you've heard me harp on him. I text you every Saturday when the Badgers are playing and it's third and seven or third and eight and he dumps the ball and can't make a play. And I'll text you, told you, need a guy that can make a play. You need a quarterback that can make that play on third and long. You can't live on third and two and hope to win every game because you're not always going to have third and two. Yeah. That's, that's the difference for Wisconsin, and that's how you get over the hump is you have that quarterback that can consistently convert third and seven, third and eight. Because against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, against Penn State in the Big Ten Championship, against Alabama in the semifinal, against Oklahoma in the semifinal, against Texas in the semifinal. Well, against... slow, down on, slow down on college football playoff, Kevin. I don't think Wisconsin's there yet. But that's, that's stay what on your Big Ten. You have to... Stay on your Big Ten Championship. Yep. They've got to beat Ohio State before we can talk that. Right, but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, taking that next step, you need that Russell Wilson type to be able to beat Ohio State, to be able to beat Texas, to be able to beat Alabama, to be able to beat Clemson. Like, you have to get through three really good teams if you're actually going to win a national title. Like, you could have the easiest yeah. schedule in the world, but you still have three very tough games at the end if you're really going to get to where you want to be. I agree with you. And that's, that's right. Everything else is in place in Paul Chris system, except that guy. And yep. again, I, I don't want to sit here and have fans think I'm ripping on Cohen. I'm, I'm not ripping on him. He's a, he is a good player. He's just not a guy that can consistently convert when we need to play. And, and that's what I'm looking for. He's had his shining moments. 
but he's also had those moments where he does look like a deer in headlights. Right. You know, he, I'm just, so I'm at that point as a Badger fan where I'm like, okay, Big Ten championship is actually my expectation every year. Right. Now I want to get to where my expectation is like for Ohio State fans like you, college playoff, college playoff. That's where I want yeah. them to be. Because, yeah, they can get to the Big Ten championship, and that is where I expect them to be. But then, honestly, Kevin, they got to play Ohio State or possibly a Penn State. <sighs> then, then I get worried. It's like, uh, yeah, maybe they can pull an upset. I don't want them to have to pull an upset. I want it to be an even right. game where they're on that level. Yeah. So I, I love being a Badger fan, and I love the success they're having. I just want the next step now. Now I want that next step. But carry on with more of your notes. I know you got more. We spent way more, probably way more much time on the quarterback than you wanted to. But I, I had to bring. I had. I've been waiting to say that all day because it's just been eating at me about quarterback play at Wisconsin. Go ahead. I, we needed to talk about it. That's that's the thing at Wisconsin. Um, you know, program wise, to take that next step. Um, and honestly, me as an Ohio State fan, very quickly, like as far as you don't I want them to get, you don't want them to get quarterback play. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, but how I see it is like when Ohio State matches up with Penn State, I'm like, oh Lord, like there is a 50-50, a 49-51 shot in our favor, Ohio State. I'm saying R because I'm an Ohio State fan. I just am, um, but I am realistic. That's that's with all the teams that I like. Um, it, yeah, Ohio State any given year, probably a little more talented. They're better than Penn State usually, but I know that's a very easily losable game. Wisconsin, I take it down a step. I, I take it a step down. Like, we should beat Wisconsin. It's, it's, like you said, Troy, it's an upset if Wisconsin beats Ohio State. It's sad, it, but it's not devastating. It, it's understandable. It sucks when you lose to Purdue. It sucks when you lose to Indiana. It sucks when you lose to, you know, these other teams. You lose to Wisconsin, we should have won that one. But Penn State's like a hair above, in my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong on that. But anyway, so, yes, a quarterback play, that would solve literally everything for Wisconsin as far as getting over the, to the next step. And maybe Graham um, Mertz is the guy. Yes, I think he can be. And we'll – We'll see. We'll, we'll see early as long this year. As long as, they have, as long as they have the traditional running game going, I think it'll make life much easier for the young man. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, getting into this team, uh, outside of Cohen and Mertz uh, in that situation, Nikia Watson um, probably going to step in as Jonathan Taylor's replacement. Everyone knows what Jonathan Taylor did, and I don't have to talk about that. Um, I, I don't think it's a – oh, look, here's Nakia Watson, here's the next, you know, top 15 draft pick. Um, you know, Wisconsin, you know, 2,000-yard rusher. I don't necessarily think that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he will take that next step and be a 2,000-yard guy. I don't know. Certainly not this season with eight, nine games. At least I'd be shocked. If he ran <laughs> but, for 2,000 in a nine-game <laughs> season, he'd probably go to the NFL next year <laughs> if he's yeah. eligible. Right. Um, so – you know, I, I, I consider it to be one of those years at Wisconsin where, yeah, we have this guy, but we have this guy too, and we have that guy too. And overall, we're still going to run for 250 yards a game. <laughs> like, it's just going to look a little different. Um, that, well, in my Kevin, opinion, do, you have the, do you have the depth chart up? Do you have, do you have I, the depth I, chart up? 
I have some notes. They're notable guys. Like their third down back, uh, Garrett Groshek, he's back. Um, so that's a capable guy they have. And then they also got a four-star running back in this year's class. Yeah. Um, you got to so look at the depth at running back because I, I what I see this year, last year, workhorse Jonathan Taylor, workhorse Jonathan Taylor. This year I see more of a committee. Right. And, unless, Watson, unless Watson goes out and becomes a workhorse. I mean, you look at the history of Wisconsin running backs. It's like, oh, well, I knew he'd be good. I didn't think he'd be that good. And right. that's kind of the surprise that we – and we kind of almost get – what's the word? Almost like accustomed to it. Like, oh, no worries. Yeah, this guy will come in and run for 2,000 yards in a regular season. But I think right. this year you're going to see more of a committee unless one of them just basically takes over. And, but, right. again, that's what Paul Chris does. A four-star running back, is that any surprise? No, it's not. If you're a running back, why wouldn't you want to go to Wisconsin? I'm actually surprised, yeah. Kevin, that Paul Chris doesn't get five-star running backs with the I offensive agree. lines that he puts together. So, no, that, I, I mean, you, you look at where can he improve. Hey, go get a five-star, Paul Chris. <laughs> go get him. Because you can get him yeah. as much as you utilize running backs. Go get him. But part of that is, though, Kevin, and I, I will say this, and, I, again, I'm a, I'm a Badger guy, so this segment might be a little longer than that 15 minutes we talk about. Yeah. If I'm a five-star back, I don't want to come in and sit for a year. I don't want to come in and sit for a year, two years. And at Wisconsin, right. it's a pecking order. Paul Christ has always had the pecking order. So you're not going to come into Wisconsin as a five-star and expect to be the guy as a freshman. I mean, I, that's what I believe, and I think that's part of the reason that he's not getting five-star running backs. They want to play immediately, and they're not they going be. to at Wisconsin. You're going to be on the depth chart. You're going to be behind this guy, this guy, and this guy. That could you know be what part happened of the, the the last couple of years at Penn State, and we'll get to Penn State next week. Um, but Penn State, like they had, I think it was like four four star plus, you know, four star slash five star running backs on the roster at one point last year, and it's like you can't all even play in a single game, <laughs> let alone you know a year from now, two years from now, yeah, you'll be the guy eventually. Like, you don't even know that. Um, they just, they got, they had so many. Um, and a couple years ago when they had Barkley and then Miles Sanders as the backup, and then who knows who was backing up Miles Sanders. And now both those guys are, you know, phenomenal NFL running backs. It's like last year they had like four that were just, you could tell the talent on every single one of them, but it was like, <laughs> you know, I, I think one of them ended up transferring. It might have been two of them. Um, but yeah, they just had, they literally had too many. I mean, they, they literally had too many <laughs> to keep them all happy. It, you know, you can have four amazing running backs, but they're not all going to be happy that that's just the reality of it. You could have two, <laughs> you know, you could have a third down specialist. You could have, you know, a mix and match, whatever. Um, but to have four guys who think they could rush for 1500 yards on any power five conference team is, you know, they're just not all going to be happy. Um, and that was the case with Penn State last year. Anyway, uh, moving on. So, yeah, it, Wisconsin's got three guys I think they could probably lean on um, to, you know, to do well. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you there. Quintez Cephas and um, I believe his first name was Aaron, Eric Crookshank. Um, they both departed. Cephas, I know, is in the NFL. Um, and with so the Detroit guys, Lions. Yeah. Uh, so those two guys were definitely – contributors um, for sure on the outside 
a year ago for Wisconsin, they're gone, but you still have Kendrick Pryor, you still have Danny Davis, so they still have guys that are capable, um, for sure. So Mertz is not without talent. Um, it's not as though there are no receivers to throw to, there's no tight end, and you're replacing one of the college football's best, you know, most accomplished running backs. It, he's got guys to go to. The running game will be fine. The offensive line only has to replace two starters. It's not like you have to replace the whole thing. And Jake Ferguson, the top tight end, he returns. So this offense is going to be just fine. And in my honest opinion, uh, with Mertz and his arm, I think it should be better. Not necessarily from a points or yards per play or whatever metric, which realistically means more. But at the end of the day, what really means more, I should say, is the threat of third and seven, the threat of third and four, and going play action and getting killed from it. Yeah, now you can send Ferguson down the seam with some accuracy in an arm and maybe get Ferguson out a little farther like they do in the NFL. Exactly. Because I like Ferguson. Ferguson's a good good guy. Yeah. I'd be surprised if he's not an NFL tight end eventually. Um, So I – you know, I like this offense a lot. I like Graham Mertz a lot, to be honest with you. Um, and if it's not him handing the ball, you know, off to a running back 30 times in Jonathan Taylor, which you probably should do when you have him and an offensive line like that. But if you're able to mix in, you know, running and play action and doing it consistently and knowing you have the arm of the quarterback to chuck the ball 50 yards down the field to Danny Davis, like that's, that's what can make this offense take another step. And I think it can this year, honestly. So that's my take on the offense. Defensively, they were basically top 15, no matter what metric you look at. Um, the bulk of the defensive line returns. Um, there are two, <laughs> there are two uh, linebackers, Zach Bond and Chris Orr, that leave. Um, outside of those two, so those two are notable guys, for sure. That, that hurts you. Um, there are other guys returning that have played. They'll, they'll be – okay at, at linebacker and they also have two four-star linebackers <laughs> coming in I'll, I'll tell you Kevin it's it's a as a Badger fan if you look back and I'll go back to last year's preview do you remember what I said I'm like oh that linebacking core big question marks it's usually never right. a question mark at a defensive line you said oh those guys are returning it seems like that defensive line is like they're there for like five-year seniors you know, that, that's what it seems like. And yeah. it's like linebacker. But then last year, you just talked about those guys. Pleasant surprise. It's like, whoa. Because the year before, everybody was overshadowed by Watt. He overshadowed everybody. And you're like, yeah. well, who are these guys? And now you look at it this year, and like you said, oh, well, yeah, they, were, they got a couple four-stars. It's a funny thing, Kevin. We always talk about recruiting in, in Wisconsin. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Chris is going to get guys for assistance, but then you look at the ratings, and you know I'm, I'm not a big rating guy. I don't care if you're four or two. Do you fit in the system? But Paul Chris gets athletes at linebacker also. We talk about how great he does on the offensive line, but look at how many Wisconsin linebackers are now in the NFL over the past three, four years. It's amazing. Yeah, agreed. No, it, it is a linebacker factory um, for sure. So. No question there. Secondary, as far as what I read, they lost nobody. Um, so, I mean, defense should be good. <laughs> they should yeah, be the fine. secondary, though, it's still tough when you got to go against the likes of an Ohio State, a Michigan, a Penn State, those passing offenses. Sure. I, still, I still have my concerns with the Wisconsin secondary, with the cornerbacks and safeties. 
it all comes down to the defensive line. Can you put pressure on the quarterback? But the thing is, you look what they can put pressure on an Ohio State quarterback, but he's a mobile quarterback that gets outside the pocket and he's going right. to find his receivers. So, I, okay, they're not losing anybody in the secondary, but if I think there's a weakness on that defense, it's at secondary, it's at cornerback, it's at safety, unless the defensive line is giving constant pressure. And for the, the teams they play in the regular season, fine. But then again, you get to the championship. Are you going to be able to do that against an Ohio State or a Penn State? You know, and then my answer is no. So I, I think if there's a weak link on that defense, it is, it is the cornerbacks and the, and the safeties. But if the, guy, the front seven are doing their job, it makes their job a lot easier, and it makes them look a lot better when they're playing the likes of a Purdue or even an Iowa because that defensive line is doing their job and the linebackers are doing their job. So then it makes those cornerbacks look better, right? When, in fact, they're average to maybe a little above average, if that makes any sense to you, Kevin. Makes perfect sense. I, I have nothing to add there. I <laughs> Again, I agree 100%. Um, Recruiting-wise, they were 26th nationally, 5th in the Big Ten. Um, 26 to me, is pretty good for Wisconsin. That's Usually actually it, really high for Paul Chris. Yeah. I don't remember Normally it being – Normally, he's in the 50s. Yeah. For, I was going to say 40s, 40s, high 30s, maybe low 50s. Yeah. So, 26th. And, again, I was talking about it like, oh, look, a four-star running back. Oh, look two four-star linebackers I didn't even mention. They got two four-star or, yeah, two four-star tackles um, as well. It, they had five four-stars in this class, which usually doesn't, doesn't happen at Wisconsin. No, there's um, not, usually not many four-stars. Usually a lot of threes. Yeah, yep. So that's, that's a thing. Again, take the star caliber. Um, for what it is. Some guys will flame out. Some guys will be better than what their star, you know, <laughs> count is. Um, but like you say, Kevin, system. for the NFL draft, it's a lottery. The more you have, the more chances right. you have to win, right? So That's, by him getting more four stars, that means that there should be more talent because he's still going to go out and get his three-star guys that fit right. into the system, that are hard workers, that are blue-collar guys. So the more yeah. fours you get, the more that are going to actually impact the team in a positive way. You can exactly. have that one four-star that flails out because, oh, he wasn't our top four-star anyway. Or even if right. he was our top star, okay, well, we got this other guy that, that has just as much talent. We can plug him in there. No, I'm happy. Yep. I'm happy with the way that the, the recruiting classes have been the last two years. I think Paul yep. Chris is doing an amazing job at Wisconsin. Agreed. And, and that's the difference with that's how Penn State has taken a step up is like I mentioned before, they had like four really talented running backs on the roster last year. That's recruiting. Um, you only need one. You only need one Jonathan Taylor. You only need one Saquon Barkley. You only need one Ezekiel Elliott. But if you have four of this and three of that and five of this and four of that, you can take a guy transferring. You can take a guy going out for the season with an injury. And oh, look, we have two or three more. That's the luxury you have at Ohio State. That's why they're so good every single year. It's because they have a boatload of guys that can step in at any given down and be very productive. That, that's just what it is. So it, it's just a luxury to have. Um, Wisconsin schedule. Moving on. 
to close the show uh, at home against Illinois, like I mentioned earlier on the show, on Friday, October 23rd, to start the season. And then after that, at Nebraska. Um, that, To me, those are two wins. Then you face Purdue at home. That should be another win. Then week four at Michigan could be interesting. I still favor Wisconsin there, um, especially with not much or no crowd. I think Wisconsin is just a better football team. Uh, the following week at Northwestern, I think Wisconsin is a better football team. Week six, home against Minnesota. I would go with Wisconsin if I had to put money on it. Week seven, home against Indiana. Week eight, the final one at Iowa. I mean, on paper, realistically, um, looking at all these teams so far that we have, like Wisconsin's the best team, and would I favor them to go to Iowa and win? I'd probably, like to me, there's no game they should lose, so to say, on the schedule. Um, that this is not an f- unbelievable Michigan team where they should go to Michigan and lose. It, it to me, it's not. No, that'll be a big um, that'll be a big early game though, Kevin. They really will because you know yeah. I just talked about it earlier in the show about the Big Ten West with the depth of the conference or that division. I think Wisconsin may lose one in there somewhere. So for them right. to, to to beat Michigan on that crossover game, I think that's very important for them to get that win. Because as good as Wisconsin is, I did talk about the depth in a very sincere way that could Wisconsin lose to a Purdue? They could. Could they lose to a Northwestern? They could. I mean, that's that's the thing when you look at the depth of that conference, you have to be ready to play every week. I, I, the fan in me looking at that schedule though, Kevin, I agree with you They're They should, or maybe they won't, maybe they won't be favored at Michigan, but it might be a pick them game in Las Vegas because there's right. no home crowd advantage, but on paper talent wise on this schedule, you could, and I would, I would just let you win the argument. Somebody can say they could go eight and zero, and I, I couldn't disagree, because talent wise on paper, yes, Wisconsin should win or could win all of those games. But I'm being a realistic fan with the depth of the the depth of the West, that crossover game at Michigan, and I look at Minnesota and Iowa the two teams that are trying to knock Wisconsin off the perch, they're going to be ready to play. Could I see an 8-0 team? I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we're talking about Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship again. They went 8-0 during this COVID season. I wouldn't be jumping up and down saying, ooh, look at this, overexceeded. No. I would be like, okay, that they want to, they want to establish themselves as number one in the West? There you go. They did it again. They won all their games in the division. They won their two crossover games. Bam, they're 8-0. But I also wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Wisconsin in third place at 5-3. and three. I really wouldn't. Because I, I, challenge Minnesota, I challenge Minnesota, I'm challenging Iowa, and they've got to play Michigan. Those are three games they could lose. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking 5-3 and three at the end of the season or 8-0. It's just that's the way college football goes. It's a good team. Do I think they should win this Big Ten West? I do. 
But I also see those teams like Minnesota and Iowa right down there. And then you got the other teams in the division that we don't talk about a lot. We say, oh, average team. But in that, in that Big Ten West, those average teams can pull upsets. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but I, that's where I'm at, Kevin. I wouldn't be surprised at 8-0. No, I wouldn't be surprised at 5-3. and three. What else you got? Yeah, to me, uh, to me, five and three personally would be a disappointment, um, just because I, I get. Well, I, I didn't say I'd be happy about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying that, that I could, uh, I might have to talk about a five and three team. Worst comes to I, worst, just, yeah, I, and I see what you're saying. As, as far as you know, games like at Nebraska, games like Purdue, games like Illinois, yeah, they should win. Is it possible they lose? Yeah, it's possible. That's not insane. Um, they lost to Illinois a year ago, so. It's not impossible at all, um, especially game one with Graham Mertz. So it, anything's possible. Um, if I had to pick it, I would just guess they go 7-1 and one and they lose, slip up somewhere. I still think they win the West, but that's just me. Uh, the last thing I wanted to add, the schedule, um, again, you start against Illinois and that defense. You start week two at Nebraska and that defense, and then week three you play Purdue and that defense. Like this is a nice – opening three weeks for Graham Mertz and the running game and how's the running game going to work and the new defensive pieces and whatever question marks you have that they should be close to figured out after the first three weeks when they go three and it should be, they should go three and they're playing three bad defenses realistically. So that's, that's nice leading up to week four at Michigan that's and not overpowering offenses. So it'll, right. it'll allow that defense to, to get in sync. It's not, I don't want to call it preseason because then I, it sounds like I'm downgrading these three programs. They're football games, and, yes, they should win. And what you're saying, Kevin, is Graham Mertz is not going, going to have to face an Ohio State defense in week one or a Penn State defense in week two. He's going to be able to play against defenses that he should have some success. And on the other side of the ball for Wisconsin, having to replace those couple of linebackers which I'm not really even worried about. This year I didn't talk about holes on a defense, but it will allow yeah. them to have that extended time before they get to that big, and I call the Michigan game, that big game, the big yeah. game, right? So they'll have some, some games that are winnable against opponents that are average, average to maybe a little bit above average, which is very good for a program to start the season that way. So yeah. what else you got, youngster? That might be a wrap. That is it. That is all I have. Thank you for listening in on the Inner Peak Coffee Virtual Studio Line. For the youngster, I am the man. you. We will be recording another one. These might be popping up on the grueling tree. Bam, bam, bam. Again, thanks for listening in. We'll get back at you soon. Enjoy your day, You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. 
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.